Good morning. Welcome to Mayflower Church, where we believe that faith is a journey, God is so good, Jesus saves, and the Spirit leads us to faith, hope, and love as we honor the dignity of all God's people. If you are here in person or if you are worshiping with us online, we are so glad to have you and we hope that you are able to sign the friendship register. The ushers will be collecting the prayer cards during the middle hymn today. You will find those in front of you in the pew racks. Ruth is away for two weeks. She is in California soaking up the sun and resting, and we look forward to seeing her when she returns. We have many things for you to pick up in the atrium today. As you may remember, last week I mentioned, we uncovered these amazing calendars that chronicle the first 50 years of Mayflower. There's a stack of them in the atrium for you to grab. We also have Joel Tannis' book for sale, The 40 Gospels. It would make a wonderful Lenten devotion as it could take you through all of the days of Lent and the devotion that goes with it. And if you are a middle school or high school student, I encourage you to come to Elevate tonight. The atrium is going to be filled with a humongous blow-up screen that will be showing the movie Sing 2, and there will be a waffle bar as well. So, please come. We are also gathering crafters and bakers and people to donate items for the Spring Bazaar that will be happening in April. All the proceeds for the bazaar will go towards the Parlor Refresh. Murray Itama and I will be in the atrium after the service if you have any questions. And now I'd like to welcome Julia to tell us about the music for today. To support today's Bible story, the parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, we'll be singing a lot of music that reminds us how to be servants, how to step out of our comfort zones and reach out to our neighbor. Um, And the anthem you'll hear during the offering, Beauty for Brokenness, was written by Graham Kendrick um, in 1993. And the words uh, were inspired by a visit uh, to India that he made the previous year and the perception of the contrast between Indian poverty and Western affluence. Um, So you'll hear in in the chorus that comes back after each verse these words, God of the poor, friend of the weak, give us compassion, we pray. Melt our cold hearts Let tears fall like rain. Come, change our love from a spark to a flame. Also today, we have our handbell choir ringing, and I'm so grateful for the the time they give each Wednesday at 6 o'clock to learn new music, and it's it's like a small family. It's a wonderful small group. And um, if you're watching us ring today and decide, I I think I'd like to try that. That looks like a lot of fun. Come talk to me after the service or come up and 
Try ringing one of these bells. In addition to our wonderful bells that were cast uh, in England and that we've had in the church for, I think, since the 1960s, um, we just purchased four octaves of hand chimes, which then will give a different timbre and give us more possibilities of repertoire to ring and just generates more excitement around our bell program. So. Welcome to Mayflower Church. Welcome to this place where once again this morning, earth and heaven will meet. And in this meeting of heaven and earth, Christ is here. He is the end who meets us in our middle. He is the new beginning hidden in the end. He is the victory, the end of strife. He is the resurrection and the life. Like with those in the early church, may our worship this morning burn in our hearts and prepare us to be Christ's hands and feet in the week which is about to open before us.
Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you will show us this morning through your parable that there are two kinds of people, those who bend down to help and those who look the other way. Which kind of people will we be? We say, yes, Lord, I love you and I love my neighbor. But then we ponder who our neighbor is. The migrant at our border, is she my neighbor? Those in desperate need, are they my neighbor? Victims of war across the world, are they my neighbor? And those who face prejudice and racism, are they my neighbor? You remind us this morning, yes, everyone is our neighbor. In our worship, warm our hearts to pray for those we might otherwise cross the road to avoid. Help us to include those who have been excluded. And may the dignity that is theirs be restored to them. God of love, give us a deep love for you, so that when we see the world, we will see it as you see it, and feel the compassion that you feel, and be a people whose lives bring your love to others. Amen.
That was so beautiful. At this time, I'd like to invite all the kids worshiping with us to come forward for the children's message. Good morning, everybody. If you remember back to Wednesday night at choir, we started with a song. Does anybody remember what song it was? In every choir, we did the song. Do you remember? Julia? Yeah, we sang This Little Light of Mine. And we all knew it, right? We just sang it, sang it through. I wonder how many of the grown-ups out there know the song This Little Light of Mine. Should we find out? Grown-ups, if you know the song, This Little Light of Mine, will you raise your hand? Oh, look at all those hands. Oh, and we better check the adult choir behind us. Do they know the song? It looks like they do. Okay, that's good. Let's sing it all together, shall we? All right, let me set this down. One of my favorite things about Mayflower is when the children's choirs come up to sing, which you guys have all done, and then the congregation sings with us. And the reason why I love that so much is because we are all up here, well, in this sanctuary singing together about the Lord, and that just fills my spirit. And so Mrs. Cooley is going to talk to us a little bit more about something that we're going to start doing at Mayflower that will give us another opportunity to all sing together. Miss Abby and I are so excited. This Wednesday during midweek, we are going to start a midweek worship service. And it's going to run from 530 to 6 within our midweek programming. So everyone that's here on Wednesday nights, we're going to meet in the chapel And we are going to have church. And we would like to invite everyone in the congregation to join us as well. It is a time that we get to come together in the middle of the week and refocus. And the kids are going to sing. And we're going to have all the neat aspects of church. This Wednesday, I'm going to give you a sneak peek as to what we're going to talk about. We are going to talk about light. Do you know that the word light is mentioned 272 times in the Bible? When something's repeated over and over again, it's super important. All right, so when do we use these candles as light? When do we use these? Christmas Eve, don't we? This brings a special light. When do you use this kind of light? When do you use this? When you go camping. Yes, in so many ways. And in the dark. Where do you see lights in church? Uh, These are really important then. Do we see lights above? Julia, Blair, where else do we see lights? Something that lights up every week. Back here. 
maybe the candles and up there. So we are going to find out this Wednesday, why do we light candles every time we come to church? What does that mean? So you'll have to wait and see, and you'll have to show up on Wednesday nights to find the answer to that. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, we are so thankful that we can come together to worship you, not only on Sundays, but on Wednesdays and any other time that we gather together. We pray that your light can shine through us in all the things that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. I would like to first dismiss all our 5th and 6th graders to meet Mrs. Houlihan and Mrs. Edgar in the library to learn about communion preparation today. Then I'd like to dismiss our 3-year-olds, 4-year-olds, and 5-year-olds with Mrs. Coster to Bible Beginnings. And then I'd like to invite our 1st, 2nd, third, and fourth graders to go with Mrs. Wiener to Bible Alive. Good morning. The scripture reading today comes from the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, and can be found on your pew Bible, page 734. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? 
What is written in the law? He replied. How do you read it? The man answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But the man wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on on the other side as well. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. In the film Grand Canyon, maybe some of you saw it, It was uh, produced in 1991. tells the story of an immigration lawyer played by Kevin Kline who decides to beat traffic out of a basketball game uh, and determined to find a shortcut home. But he ends up getting totally lost. And each fateful turn of Kevin Kline and his fancy sports car takes him into a neighborhood that... um, Well, it just gets worse and worse, and the tension begins to rise a bit more until, wouldn't you know it, his fancy sports car conks out on an almost abandoned street. Now, this is before GPS. So there he is, but Kevin Klein has managed to uh, place a phone call for a tow truck. But before the truck arrives, he finds himself surrounded by a group of street thugs Intent on, well, who knows what, but intent on no good. In the nick of time, the tow truck driver, good old Danny Glover, he shows up and he begins to hook up to tow Kevin Klein, the lawyer's car. And a gang leader with a gun pointed at Glover is very upset and threatens the worst. 
And Glover pulls this gang leader aside and says this. Man, the world ain't supposed to work like this. Maybe you don't know that. But this isn't the way it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to be able to do my job without asking you if I can. And this dude, he's supposed to be able to wait without you ripping him off. Wait for his car. Everything, he concludes, is supposed to be different than what it is here. Now, most of us would agree that there are times, times even in our life, where it just feels like everything is supposed to be different than what it is here. But just how are things supposed to be? A lawyer asked Jesus that question. How are things supposed to work for me? Actually, his question was literally, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What road rules can I follow that will get me to heaven? Now, Jesus, you know, often didn't answer questions that he was asked. And so he answers the question by questioning the lawyer. What do you say? You know the commandments. Well, um, the lawyer says we are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. Good answer, Jesus says. You're right. But the lawyer you know, wanting to gain status, seeking to justify himself, to make his point, to test Jesus. That was what the text says he was about doing. You know, that answer is a little bit simple. So let's probe deeper, Jesus. Just who is my neighbor? And Jesus turns that question into one of the greatest and most beloved stories ever told. Maybe it's the most famous stories in all the history of stories. You know, people who don't know anything about Christianity or Judaism, they know about the Good Shepherd, excuse me, the Good Samaritan, and what the Samaritan does. Theologian Douglas John Hall says that this story is the essence of Christianity. If we're ever asked what our faith is all about, which... You are in one way or another, I'm sure, as you move through life. John Hall says, we can't go wrong if we simply tell this story of the Good Samaritan. This story points out, well, many things. But it shows us three different rules of the road. There is the road of force. The road of the jungle. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now that law 
was often in vogue on the Jericho Road in Jesus' day. Jerusalem to Jericho is a 17-mile down here all the way journey that takes one to the very edge of the Dead Sea, the lowest spot on planet Earth. It is steep, it is narrow, it's shadowy, it is spooky. It's paved today in the 21st century. It was not in the first century. And thieves and robbers flourished there. But the highways we travel today, aren't they too often ruled by force? What gets us down the road of life? Physical strength? Financial influence? Political clout? That often leaves victims wounded, weakened, deprived of dignity, or dead. There is another law on that Jericho Road. The law of rationalization. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. And so too a Levite. A Levite, that's the religious tribe They are the keepers of the temple, descendants of Moses' brother Aaron. So this religious man, when he came to the place, he saw the man who had been beaten and left for dead. But he passed by on the other side also. Picture a man lying wounded. In great pain, fever, raging, dreadful anxiety, he lies in the blistering heat of the sun. Unless someone comes to help him, his life will slowly ebb. Though helpless, he's not totally hopeless. Through blood-stained eyes, he makes out the figure of someone coming down the road toward him. Great hope surges within his heart. The man is clothed in clerical garb. He's a priest. Why, no doubt he just come from church, synagogue, or temple. The man is thanking God. And then he hears the priest shout out, Hey, I'm in a hurry. Good luck to you. You know, but I'm on my way to Jericho, and tonight, you know, I'm going to speak again about the safety of God's love and care. Hope you can make it. And off he goes. When the laws of rationalization or force litter the roads of our life, it leaves a roadkill of abuse and brokenness and violence, indifference and self-protection. But there is a third law. What the story is all about. The law of love. The law that tells us how we are to love our God and our neighbor as ourself. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. It would be difficult 
for us to, to really get inside of us what the word Samaritan meant to the people who were hearing Jesus speak. Samaritan was a curse word. It stood for all that a proper Jew would find disgusting and hated and loathed and despised. But Jesus tells what he did. And says to the lawyer, so then who is a neighbor to this man? And reluctantly, the lawyer says, well, the guy, I mean, he couldn't even say the word Samaritan. The, the guy who helped him out, who showed him mercy. And so there are a hundred life-changing lessons. And I would like to point out just three. When love rules, when love rules, I internalize the pain of another. When he saw him, it says, he took pity on him. As Scott's opening prayer today so powerfully Open us up to this idea of what it means to care for the outsider, the marginalized, the hurt, the wounded, the broken. I love the words of Barbara Brown Taylor in her latest book she wrote. The only clear line I draw these days, and she's speaking about religious faith, is this. When my religion tries to come between me and my neighbor, I will choose my neighbor. And then this line. Jesus never commanded me to love my religion. But he commanded me to love my neighbor. It means you care. You're moved. But it's not just emotional. It's not just feeling, ooh, that's bad. I hurt for that person. The Samaritan does an amazing thing. He adjusts his schedule. He internalizes the pain of another. But the rule of love on the road of life says that I am to be interruptible. When faced with the need of another, It says, he went to him. That's an amazing thing. He didn't just holler, hey, are you okay? He didn't say, is there anything that I might do for you? He doesn't toss a grappling hook across the road. He didn't take down the man's name and address so he could add him to a mailing list for a holiday fruitcake. He crosses the road. He got down on his knees in the dirt beside the bleeding man. He dressed his wounds with his own hands. He poured oil and wine upon the wounds of this near-dying man. He went to where his neighbor was, because that's where we become useful. That's when and where God can use us. We need to keep in mind, I think, 
that the greatest opportunity to do good, to impact another life, most likely will not have been pre-scheduled into our day planner. It will just pop up and take us by surprise. Have you ever noted how often Jesus is interrupted? He's going, he's got a plan. He's going one place, but somebody stops him or touches him or cries out for help. He had a great mission. He had a lot of important things to do. But he was so interruptible. Look at the cover of your bulletin. Courtney was asking me where I wanted to go with this message, and she came back with this picture. And, you know, I, I have a hard time figuring out, you know, when I look at things, what they are. So, so my first question was, what are those bolts and, you know, screws? What's that? And she said, you know, that's a stoplight. Oh, yeah, that's a stoplight. And the word interruption is interrupted. It's a yellow stoplight. Do you ever just speed right through a yellow light? When maybe we're to be interrupted, we want to keep going. On we go. I was thinking this morning, you know, I have, I have plans for the rest of today. And it's mostly about food and football and family. <laughs> I wonder how the Lord would want to interrupt that day. Maybe the next time you speed through a yellow light, you and I should do this. Pray, Lord, how do you want to interrupt me today? May I respond to my neighbor's need as the good Samaritan did. How interruptible. Well, this man, he not only uh, internalizes the need of a neighbor who he's never met, he not only is interruptible, but when love rules on the road, I include the excluded. I include the outsider. Samaritans were outcasts, despised rivals, in a prejudice that had grown for 600 years. It goes back, the stories told in the scripture, about the fall of the northern kingdom when the kingdom was divided and you had a kingdom of Israel to the north and Judah to the south. And in the year 721, the, the Assyrians came and destroyed the northern kingdom, deported the people, imported other captives, and the Samaritan area, Samaria was the capital of the northern kingdom, became a place of mixed breeds. And the pure Jewish people who survived their Babylonian exile and came back to reestablish the land, they were so prejudiced against those half-breeds to the north. They despised and rejected them. 
But here in this story, it's the outcast who reaches out in love, taking costly action. Just look at the verbs in the action of this Samaritan. He saw, he went, he took pity, he bandaged, he poured the oil and wine, he put him on his animal, he took him to the inn, he gave his credit card, he gave his money to care for the man. How many times were there in Jesus' ministry when he encountered a situation of dire need, a person hurt, hungry, tortured by evil spirits, dying, and he then immediately withdrew to discuss the situation with the disciples? Never. Jesus never did that. Not one single time faced with human need and hurt in crisis, did Jesus retreat to plan. He immediately acted and tended to the need. He didn't appoint a committee. He didn't start a fundraiser. He didn't call a consultant. He acted. He didn't even withdraw to pray. He knew that God's will always, always, had room for doing acts of compassion and justice and mercy. So Jesus tells a great story, and we know it so well. And he says, go and do likewise. The new love of Jesus Christ says that I internalize the pain of another. Jesus had compassion again and again and again as he saw human need. I am interruptible as I travel down the road of life as fast as it can take me. And if I go and do likewise, I include all. No one is excluded from the new love of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now is the time in our service where we are offered the opportunity, whether we're here in the sanctuary or worshiping online,
to give back out of the bounty that God has blessed every single one of us with.
Will you pray with me? Lord, we come to you during this time of offering, knowing that it is by your grace and love that we are able to give anything at all. May we understand that the blessings of employment, health, family and friendships, purpose and joy should not ever be taken for granted, but instead be acknowledged and appreciated every day. May we continue to be a blessing as we have been so lovingly blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We continue to pray. Almighty and most merciful God, whose power and whose love eternally work together for the good of thy children, give us grace this day to put our trust in you. We pray for faith to believe the good news of the gospel. Give us strength to turn toward you and away from all that pulls us from your loving presence. Give us the will to follow you in the work of your kingdom. The kingdom of righteousness, justice, love, and peace. Give us faith to trust in the power of your love. To melt any hardness of our heart. Open us. To love, to love you, our neighbor, your creation, and our very selves. Today we pray especially for those in this church family that face significant needs. May they be physical, emotional, relational, financial. A number in our family have lost loved ones in recent days. Be with them, Lord, in their grief, in their pain. Be the good shepherd. Lead them into pastures of plenty and goodness. And we pray today a prayer requested from this church family that we pray for all who can reach out to others to let them know that they are thought of and missed. And Lord, this is surely something that we all can do. So we pray that we would be moved to act as that man did on the Jericho Road years ago in your unforgettable story that we would act to reach out to let others know that they are thought of, they are missed. We hold them before you, O Lord. And now let us all sing together. Hear our prayer.
And we pray the words that Jesus taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Take the words of the Apostle Paul in the fourth chapter of Philippians with you this day. May God bless you with what is true. 
noble and just and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. May these qualities fill your mind and shine through your life this day and every day of your journey. Amen.